The actual, you know, agricultural resources of the Liverpool Plains are magnificent. I would have to say it is one of the most blessed agricultural areas I have ever seen. All that is undone at one stroke of a pen by a minister that says, oh, let's put a gas field here. It's the fear of the unknown and no matter how many studies they do on it, they can't guarantee that if it leaks, that it will not destroy. We feel like we're fighting it on behalf of everyone. Pretty much the whole of Australia loses out if the the soil and that, you know, things are carried on here that shouldn't be because there's certain areas that shouldn't be mucked with. Just about everything we do at Dirty Linen and across the whole Deep in the Weeds food podcast network rests on farming. Without productive farmers, we don't have restaurants. We don't have those resonant, connected stories of cuisine and culture that we love so much and that we know you appreciate too. And fundamentally, without farmers, we don't eat. It's basic. We also know that we need to cease coal and gas mining because of the emissions they create. The science is unequivocal. The catastrophic climate risks are too great. The move to net zero makes allowances for legacy mining, but it's clear that any new coal or gas extraction tips into dangerous territory. Given all this, we're keeping a close eye on the Liverpool Plains and the gas mining exploration licences held by energy giant Santos. Join us all week as we talk to people in the region who are likely to be impacted by any mining activities and are mobilising against them. It's an interesting coalition of farmers, bakers, townspeople, traditional owners, and long-time journalists and community members. What becomes clear in these conversations is that this is a local fight with broader implications. If you eat, if you live on earth, this fight matters. By the way, we've reached out to Santos for comment. We look forward to a response. We want to make sure that it's here and it stays here and it's accessible for you to continue to do what you do. But now if these new people come in and they get their way, that will not happen anymore. Today on Dirty Linen, we're continuing our time on the Liverpool Plains, uh, talking about plans to uh, extract gas from this uh, extraordinary agricultural land. Today's guest is Jason Allen. He's a Walhallow Gamilaroi man. He's uh, the CEO of the Walhallow Local Aboriginal Land Council. He's also an elected councillor um, on the Liverpool Plains Shire Council. Jason, you've got so much to bring to this conversation. Thank you so much for chatting with us today on Dirty Linen. Good afternoon, how are you today? I'm great and um, yeah, hearing you say those words in, you know, in language, um, yeah, really, I've got to say, just got me straight away with this um, extraordinary sense of connection um, and, yeah, the depth of feeling for country. Um, Jason, tell us a bit about yourself and about the region. Yeah, well, a bit about myself. I am a local community person. I was born and raised at Walhalla Community. This, the Walhalla Community in the, the Liverpool Plains Shire and the traditional, uh, the traditional lands of our people at, at Walhalla. Our boundary stretch from the Kimilaroi Highway right out to Tambar Springs, across the Prima and Tabriza. So in the past, yeah, that's this is my dad's country, and my mum's country is Ngunnawal country, which is around the Canberra region. It's 
specifically my my growing up was all done on my dad's country, so for want of better terms, I'm more or less a, a becoming an, a knowledge older in a on my dad's country and my brother who's younger than me, but he's done all his all his knowledgeable stuff and workings on Manawal country, so that's where he when I ever got whenever I go back on the mum's country. I become the younger brother and my youngest, my middle brother becomes the older brother. So that's how, how in our terms, that's how it works. So whoever's here. But to get back onto your question, I was born and raised at Walhollow and um, spent my first start of my working life as a public servant down in Canberra, seen a job advertised to come back home in country. So I took that and I was only going to come here for about five years with my ever-growing family and it's been 15 years later and I'm still here. And one thing led to another and it was actually during the COVID period where I'd been having uh, talks with a lot of the commu- Liverpool Plains community and more and more people are saying, because of a lot of the work I do, both culturally-wise and in the mainstream community, they were saying, why don't you run for council? and I'd never really seen myself as a counsellor, although I like to generally have my views on most things. I didn't really see myself as a counsellor then. COVID put it back a year and a bit, and lo and behold, I put my hand in the ring, so they say, and I got elected. I surprised myself, actually. Yeah, I got elected, and we've moved on from there, and it's been a a very quick learning curve going from the outside looking into the council where you think you can do a lot of things but when you get into the into the hot seat the practicalities of it all and the rigmaroles of that what you see from the outside is not what you see from the inside so it's yeah a lot different oh that's so interesting um yeah I guess a lot of people do get disillusioned once they see the inner workings and, you know, go in bright-eyed and hoping to create change and, yeah, those wheels can turn very slowly, if at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jason, how would you describe the region? You know, what are what are some of its special qualities? Well, first and foremost, it's the black soil. It is the lifeblood of, of our region that we got here in the Liverpool Plains and it pretty much is who we are as a people and who we, what we were, sorry, what we are, were, and who we are as a people. Even though um, the community that I grew on, we weren't allowed to practice culture or speak language, our elders did, did, still, did, still did it in an unpractical way by just doing little words here and there and telling stories, but changing the way they told the stories. So it was still done, but just in a different different manner of doing it. So one thing led to another, and we are where we are today, that we had to re-go, go back and relearn who we were as a people and how we are as a people. So it is, it's been a learning curve for us. So I just went and jumped a lot, of, a lot of ways in, but it is what it is. That answers the question, not really. Oh, it just, it, it, I'll tell you what it does do. It inspires about a hundred other questions. But um, tell me a bit more about that, that journey to, um, I guess, understanding, yeah, your, your First Nations background, you know, what it means to you today. Like what, what um, yeah, what has that meant to you? Uh, what has it meant to me individually? And 
as a, a growing family man, just relearning everything that we and looking and taking the westernized westernized lens off of our our eyes and our mindset and rediscovering who we are and where we're from. And once you do that, everything else becomes a blessing, and you see the world in a different light and a different shape and a different form. It's just refreshing that things that you drove past, just uh, scar trees and all other stuff that you drove past on a regular basis, you start to look around and see, and it becomes just, yeah, second nature to you that you're, you're spotting all this stuff that for years you drove past and you never took notice of. It's, yeah, it's a blessing, and it's a blessing to me just finding out who I, who I am culturally and then taking that and then teaching other people along the way and grasping that when you teach, you're also learning at the same time. Wow, it's a very powerful perspective. And I mean, I know the Liverpool Plains is marked by some, you know, dramatic ridges and, you know, the, the those, those, those plains as well. I mean, what I'd love to you to tell tell me more about those what you've seen and you in the landscape and that depth of connection well i'll i'll, I'll put my other hat on here with in regards to the silo the silo art you've heard about the silo art now in the middle of our town of Grindai. on our silo we've got the urindali which is a local totem for our liverpool plains aboriginal people and the urindali is the maker and a protector of our lands he completed all the waterways, did all the mountains and made everything the way it is. And when he finished doing what he did, or when she finished doing what she did, she didn't lay down and now she's the main ridge and the main mountain you come over the top of when you come from Arundi. So she's always looking back over the land and protecting the land and making sure it's safe. Wow, it's really powerful and amazing to have that on, you know, a, um, on a structure like a silo just to have – um, that interaction between these, yeah, two ways of living and being. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's quite significant that we have, and the silo committee got together and then thought about putting a traditional owner's perspective on the silo. So it was enriching that they actually thought that they could have went the other way and just had it all on colonial history, but in their infinite wisdom to make it open to, for everybody and accessible for everybody and then open up stories they bring that perspective on also and lo and behold I jumped on board and like I said before when I'm teaching I'm also learning so the more I get to teach and talk about it the better perspective I get also and it allows me to learn at the same time. So it's you know we're here to talk at least as well, about these proposed Santos projects on the Liverpool Plains. And, you know, to be clear, there are there are two sort of different strands to this. One is Santos asking for, you know, um, seeking the right to explore for gas. And the other one is to build the gas pipeline project. Um, you know, tell us about this, these, um, these projects from your perspective. Uh, from a... Aboriginal, Aboriginals' perspectives, especially, because we are landholders. We do have land that we it will travel across, and we've had some consultation with with Santos and the community as a whole have been through two 
mine projects that have come and gone. The BHP mine, which was literally within two k's of our main of our community, and then then there was the uh, Shenhua mine that was going to be just past Breezer on the watermark. So the community is wholly and solely in regards to coal up to date on most things, but it's the gas that they now have to get their head around to understand how they're going to firstly do the exploration and then do the extraction and what it, that involves. And it's not something that is, <clears throat> would be beneficial for the land itself. And that's what, yeah, it's the fear of the unknown. And no matter how many studies they do on it, they can't guarantee that if it leaks, that it will not destroy everything around. And when you see the horror stories from other communities of what it's done, when it's done it, and how it's left it, it's not something that any of the community are generally enthused about. And they can see a benefit coming from it. And when you have that consultation, Jason, what's you know what are they selling you? What are they? Why are they telling you that you should um, get on board with these projects? Oh, this, they're pretty much they're not really doing it with any great um, enthusiasm. They're just doing it because they got to do it. That's our perspective as a community that we've seen this all before come and go, and a lot of the times we just stay silent because we listen and we learn. And from that, we take our own perspective and we say to them, how will this benefit not only us, but everybody around on the Liverpool Plains? And we always come to the same conclusion, there's no benefit. There is nothing that will help anyone in that regard. I mean, it is quite extraordinary that, it, it is quite extraordinary that you're, you're in this community that's seen off these two big coal projects, one from BHP and one from the Chinese company Shenhua. So this this community has a history of organising and, um, I guess, protecting, it, you know, the things that it believes are important to its own community and, and people who benefit from it. Uh, you've got such a deep connection to the land, Jason. I mean, how does this make you feel? Uh, personally, myself, it's not something that I... In the back of my mind, I knew this was coming. And the moment they started looking for coal, you know that this, this is going to come with it. And it's just unfortunate that I don't see any real, like I said before, I don't see any benefit for us or anyone else also. And it's not something that I agree with. If it comes and the government, in their infinite wisdom, think it's better of benefit for everybody, so be it, but no, we don't agree with it. And with your political hat on, you know, at the Shire, at the Shire, what, um, you know, what do you see there? Ah, uh, look, it's uh, yeah, just it's a hard one to, to grasp. On one hand, it's it may bring benefit in the community, and on the other hand, what is it taking away? That's something that's been there forever. So that's the thing, you've got to weigh up the options. At what cost does this come? And how does it leave the land after it's been extracted? And that's the thing, at the end of the day, they cannot tell you, no matter how many studies they do, they cannot tell you with 100% certainty 
the damage it's causing. And once again, we always go back to the fear of the unknown. Yeah, well, I, I guess also it's, you know, Aboriginal people have been uh, subjected to short-term thinking of, um, yeah, colonials, colonialists and, and you know, um, people coming into the land, not seeing the value in it, not seeing, not looking at the long term. I mean, does this just feel like more of the same in that regard? Well, it does, yeah. And that's the thing. It's uh, for the shirt, something that took how many millenniums to make, we're going to take in an instance and, yeah, we don't know how long before something bad happens. And that's what we, we in our Aboriginal culture, especially Gamilaroi culture, where I'm, where we live, we we never take from the from Mother Earth what we don't need. And if you continually take and take and take, where does that leave you in the end? And that's something I probably always live by. If you continue to take more than you need, it doesn't leave you with anything to the end. And you're not creating something for the the future generations, are you? What is so valuable about this land from your point of view? Well, it's the food bowl, like they always said, and they said from day dot. We've known this, and I think it's something that I read actually in, I think it was Blackson and Stuart when they first came over the Liverpool range and they looked upon, they looked to the right across the near Wallabadar and the Crindai area where we are today, and they seen old trees, but to the left, they seen open plains. And that many species, about 10, 10 to 12,000 different species of grass that sat in these open plains. And the first words they uttered out of their mouth was, as if God made this country for us. And that's what we've said all along. God didn't make this country the way it is. It's been done by multiple, multiple generations of Aboriginal people. Do you feel like... Um you've got the voice that you need to create the change that's necessary? Um, that's a hard question. And that's, it leads into the, yeah, but the current political situation where we are now with the voice and the referendum and you have two different views. You've got the yes side and then you've got the no side. The yes side with two clear, well, I think they're clear responses and two clear questions. Do you want to see the Aboriginal people in, embedded into the Australian constitution? And the preamble of that is, why shouldn't Aboriginal people be asked what they need in their own country? And instead of employing somebody to come in from the city and taking 80 to 90% of the money before it even hits the community, why not ask the community, where would you see the money best spent in your own community? That's the two questions. And that's something that... It hasn't ever been asked of community. You've got people that think they know what's best for people that have been here for 65,000 years plus and they know the land and they live with the land, but they were never asked. They were always told. So, Jason, if you were asked what should happen to this land, how things should play out, what would you say? Leave it as is. Don't touch something that's so perfect and doesn't need to be touched. Leave it as is and to continue on the way it's the way it's going now. We don't need to touch it. Something that's so fertile, beautiful, and gives enough for everybody already. 
leave it as is and continue that way of life. We don't need to take. And what does it feel like to be there um, in this land, you know, connected to it in the way that you are, feel, you know, f- feeling the things about it that are, are, are valuable and special? What's the feeling like for you? Oh, just being reborn every day and seeing something that we take for granted being in the country and being on in this the best part and on God's country, what we call it every day. When you're on God's country and you're seeing God's work, every day is a new day for you and every day is a better day. We're a long time, we're a short time up, up above the earth and we're a long time below it. So make each day count. And for people who are distant from you and from this land, you know, what would you like them to know about about how special it is and about, you know, the, the current um, jeopardy that it's in? I just go back to what I've said already, that if you continually take, eventually you'll run out and eventually there'll be nothing there for you to to continue with. And that's the thing. The, what, what's happening now is okay. And that's the thing they're doing on stuff on top of the soil. And they've just been doing it. Yeah. But when you take stuff that's been been around since the dinosaurs or before the dinosaurs, that's not, yeah, you're looking at how long has it taken the, to make and, it, yeah, it's, it cannot be good. It cannot be good for the earth to take it. I mean, we've talked a lot about agriculture and the bounty there, but, I mean, uh, what about wildlife or, and you mentioned those, the riches of the, the grasslands that were there when, you know, the first... Um, white explorers came through. Are there Indigenous food sources or wildlife that um, you really value in the region? Well, yeah, like, yeah, well, it's our main totem is the, the tree going up, which is Urundali. Then we have the the Bandars, which are the kangaroos. Then we did have the Barawa, which is the red kangaroo. And we have the Guda, which is the koala. And all the other different species that are around, the Marai, the Cockatoo, the Gila, which is the Galar. The brolgas that were here, all the different animals that were here. Specifically, to name one, we had a koala and multiple koalas that used to come through our community. They'd walk in our community in harmony with our community. We'd lift and open up fences for them, let them through, get into the trees. Those koalas no longer come to our community. Something's happening to make them stop, and this is something... We've recently done a seasonal calendar, along with restarting and re-being reutilizing cultural burning onto our country to hopefully bring back different species of animals to our country. But the one animal that we've seen and noticed that hasn't come back is the, the Buddha, which is a koala. And it's, you have to wonder what stopped it from coming back and being in the same places and doing the same things for multiple generations. There's something that's stopping that now. Yeah, that's, that's really... It's concerning and, and sad and I mean I, wouldn't it be amazing if you've done this traditional burning and you see the first koala walk back in that would be a good moment yeah and that's something yeah we that helps us in the community and that helps us bring different people back out, back out to our community again and showing them and showcasing what we've got and what's so special about the Liverpool Plains and especially our area and that's something that we can continue to tell the city folk that come out to our country, come and see what's on our country and come and live the life that we're living. Even if it's only for a week, you'll see the difference and what 
in between the city out to the country and you'll see where a lot of your food sources are coming from and while we think the black soil is the most precious soil not only to us but to australia jason absolutely love that i mean you're in a there's a lot of different people that have come together to to fight this fight what community what sort of community is it and what does it mean to you to be part of it oh it's just the like i said before the, the two minings that it came and went through our community we stayed a little bit silent but people thought that we never had a voice it's not that we didn't have a voice it's just that we were listening and now we're finding our voice and we want to make our voice heard and that's the thing that we want to stand level and on the same platform as the farmers around this area and that's what we've said to you all along we don't want what you have we want to make sure that it's here and it stays here and it's accessible for you to continue to do what you do but now if these new people come in and they get their way that will not happen anymore and that's the thing that's we never wanted something that was even though it is ours when we, we think it's ours we know that you are doing what's right by it it was never about taking back something that we believe was ours it's about working in harmony and making sure it's there for everybody to use and that's the yeah that's the and that's the message we wanted to get out we don't yeah we want to work with you it's such a generous perspective and really makes me think of um this whole debate around treaty i don't think it's really a debate at all it's just such a generous offer from Aboriginal people to the the whole Australian community to to walk together. I just yeah, just do not understand um, why people wouldn't accept that gift that's being offered. Yeah, well that's the thing we we do a uh, a song in that right. Ginini Milan, Ginini Burala, Ginini Nay Marie. We are one, but we are many, and from all the lands on earth we come. Yeah, it's beautiful, Jason. Are so grateful for your perspective today. Um, and yeah, thank you for everything that, that you're doing, um, speaking so eloquently about the land and the importance of it. I'm really um, grateful to you for sharing your time with us today on Dirty Linen. No, thank you very much for asking for a different perspective and one that's, yeah, close to my heart and close to my community's heart. And we want to share, like I said before, we want to share our, our, our knowledge and we want to share our teachings because we learn at the same time as we teach, which is always a good thing. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.